Welcome to The Ripple. Today you'll be hearing episode three. It's the second half of Bert's Bongamacher. If you didn't hear the first half of Bert's episode, I'd suggest going and listening to that so that this episode makes a little more sense for you. I hope you enjoy. We had no intention to actually leave New York, uh, but uh, I started going to the uh, 9-11 medical monitoring program and starting in 2007, due to an article I read uh, at the, what's the name of that magazine, P Photo District News, PDN. PDN. And there was an article in that magazine that talked about 9-11 and the photographers who went there. And the guy who wrote the article, he had, on 9-11, he broke his arm or leg or something like that. And he also talked then about other photographers that he knew who died or are really sick. And I think in that article, they mentioned the photographer who did the first images from ground zero uh, out of an open helicopter and supposedly that guy died of cancer and the article also mentioned that other photographers also have cancer and uh, they were speculating if that has anything to do with being exposed to all the dust and and, and smoke and fumes from from, uh, ground zero and they also mentioned that there is this um, medical monitoring program at Mount Sinai, at least back then. And uh, so I figured, hmm, maybe it's a good idea I go there and have myself checked up and participate. <clears throat> so actually I decided to do that and I went to, I uh, called the number and they said, okay, yeah, you lived in 15 Orchard Street and uh, this and this and this, uh, you can come. And uh, I went there in 2007. And uh, then I went again 2008 and then 2009. That was on a Friday morning. And uh, you do your routine, you know, like, I don't know, like blood test and check up and, and, and those kind of things. And I remember that the doctor said, hmm, last time you were here, you were, uh, you lost a lot of weight. I was like, really? I didn't know. I was like, yeah, like, six kilos which is like uh, six kilos is like six twelve eighteen pounds or something like that i was like yeah you know i'm working out and eating better whatnot and then the next morning um <clears throat> the the guy calls me the doctor and uh he, he's like mr spangemacher you have to come to the emergency room right away and i'm like uh, okay but you felt fine I felt fine. Yeah. I thought I felt fine. I didn't, yeah. but I felt, yeah. you know. And uh, they were like, no, no, you have to come. I'm like, listen, um, if you don't tell me what I have, I'm not coming because I feel fine. And he was like, yeah, but legally I'm not allowed to tell you what, you know, because I was like, I don't care. Either you tell me what I have or I'm not coming. He was like, okay, we believe you have leukemia. I'm like, I'm coming. Packed a little bag, um, jumped into the car with Sumi. To uh, go to Mount Sinai. Exactly, and at that point, uh, we already, uh, I mean, I had a dog at that point, and uh, I, I remember, like, my, my dog's name uh, was Meister. I really was like, fuck, like, do I see this dog ever again? Yeah. 
that was really that I mean that news like oh you have leukemia I was like okay they made a mistake and who knows and whatnot but then I don't know when I left that apartment I was like do I really see this apartment again or do I see my dog again you know that was really then I was really concerned I drove myself with Sumi over the uh, 59th Street Bridge Greensboro Bridge and uh, to the hospital then the doctor was waiting for me and he said okay if you sit now in a wheelchair we get uh, um, the admission process is much quicker when you're in a wheelchair. I'm like, I'm not going to sit in a wheelchair. Are you out of your mind? I'm like, I'm healthy. What do you want? And then he convinced me to sit in the wheelchair. So I sat on the wheelchair and they pushed me through the door and then they did the whole procedure. So then I was in intensive care uh, in the emergency room. And uh, I don't know, there was like every five minutes a new doctor was coming. How are you? How are you feeling? This and that. I was like, I'm fine and stuff like that and then they're like okay your blood count uh, white the white uh, cell is like 180,000 and usually you have like 5,000 and this is not really good so they hooked me up immediately to like antibiotics and whatnot and then they said okay your blood you know work to, from today is even worse than from yesterday so it's really like critical it's moving fast yes and yeah. uh and then um at one point, one doctor came and, and then she was like, okay, Bert, you know what? I think you have a chronic leukemia. And, and she was like, that's a good thing. I'm like, you're saying I have leukemia? Now this is good? Like, what the heck, you know? And I mean, later on, I found out, okay, you know, I'm really lucky that I have this type of leukemia because if you have the other types of leukemia, it's not so much fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it's not fun to begin with, but she was right. If you get that crap, that's the one you want to have. And uh, so then, yeah, they put me in at 2 a.m. They put me into uh, a room somewhere in the hospital uh, and I had to stay over the weekend. On Monday morning, uh, an oncologist came and he did a bone marrow procedure where he sort of like uh, has sort of like a corkscrew type of thing. And he goes into your back and squeezes out some Some bone marrow. It's very painful. Yeah. So then they had to go and and do the test on that. And then on Wednesday morning, they said, okay, it's confirmed. You have a chronic leukemia. So they put me on this medication right away that I took for the first three years. And uh, from there on, and then after that, I changed my medication, stuff like that. Anyhow, and uh, so I left the medi- uh, I left the hospital, and then they made me come back like in the beginning every day, and then every other day, and then three times a week and stuff like that. And uh, so my blood uh, um, works um, <clears throat> improved after a while. However, I was in the uh, position that the medication that I have to take uh, daily uh, is rather expensive. And uh, in the end of the day, I would have been in that position that I could have not afford to pay for it. So um, I had some insurance through Germany, uh, which covers basically every procedure. However, once you have a chronic disease, that would be not covered in that mm-hmm. policy so uh, and uh, that medication is like a hundred thousand dollars a year and uh, so then if you have to start paying for that yourself or even partially it's too much it's money impossible. and then you also have to you know pay for the doctor visits and those kind of things so it was pretty much pretty clear okay the, yes you can get that medication in america for free if you like basically on welfare but before that you have to basically burn your entire assets 
and pay for it yourself and then once you're broke you get it for free which is kind of stupid yeah so i went back to germany i went back into the public health care system and uh yeah continued treatment over there and uh luckily so far uh, stuff worked out for me my blood results are good and uh, i just can hope uh, it stays like this good yeah I'm sad to hear that that's how it is, but yeah, I'm glad well. to hear that it doesn't seem to be progressing. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, sure, you're better off if you don't have to deal with this type of disease. In the end, <clears throat> you know, if you take this type of medication, it has side effects no matter which one you take. And, you know, one medicine might be better for your body than another type of medicine. Mm-hmm. really de- depends. However, um, they all have side effects, so uh, it always comes with a certain cost uh, of quality of living that you're missing once you start taking this type of medicine. Right, because you have to take it for life. Exactly, at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, but, and were uh, they able... I'm assuming you don't have any history of this in your family. No, not at all. So they, I'm assuming that the, um, the program you were in for medical conditions through yes. 9-11, yes. that they probably determined that you got it from your exposure to being there uh they did that they also determined that i think another 50 something types of cancer are also linked to that yeah. however Were you able to get into the zadroga act <clears throat> as a foreign citizen it's kind of tricky to do that however but you were a resident of new york i was right? yeah i was a resident uh but in the end to be honest in the end of the day even if somebody tells you, you 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 got it because you were exposed to the dust of 9-11, technically you could still be the person who have gotten it anyways. You don't know. You know, if like uh, five people out of 100,000 get this type of leukemia and uh, then uh, if you have, um, they do their, you know, math and stuff like that and suddenly the ratio would be like 10 out of 100,000. And they determine, okay, you have that leukemia because you were a 9-11. I could be still one of the first five who have gotten it anyways. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. But there is a high probability. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but my cancer, usually you get the average person who gets diagnosed with CML is over 60. Right. And I remember in 2000... When, how old were you when you got diagnosed? Uh, well, in, uh, 40. You know? And yeah. then they said like, or 39 even. Anyhow, so when I was diagnosed, I was a tenth person in the program with CML, and everybody was younger than forty. Because mm-hmm. um, there, I don't think there are as many people in that program as. Well, back then it was about seventeen thousand. <coughs> and I'm, more than I thought. And uh, but I don't know. And then also, because initially that I I think as far as I know, but I might be mistaken. When they started this program it was even privately financed or Mm -hmm. only for it wasn't really government sponsored as far as i remember and then that changed with the zargado act and stuff like that was it at one point that it was the majority of people in the program were firefighters and police officers and then they opened it up to residents exactly because i basically qualified mostly because Because i was a resident because in the end i mean i remember back then there was a zoning, zone one, two, three. And my apartment was in zone three. 
So my building, because my building's entrance was on Orchard Street, I was zone three. If my apartment, oh, I had it been on the, the next if, street. If my my apart, the building basically went all the way to Canal Street. If my if I would have been, if the door of my entrance would have been on Canal Street, I would have been in zone two. So being in zone three, <clears throat> I got a check for one thousand dollar, because I was a resident in that zone and I had a brand new lease because they wanted to avoid that people would that everything gets deserted downtown mm -hmm. so if you would show up with a lease and they basically gave out like money to everybody in certain like zone one gets much more than zone two gets less and then zone three people get the, the least amount but it was sort of like a uh, money for inconvenience that you couldn't get into your apartment for what i don't know they you know there was a program back there back then that also <clears throat> would um, give you new vacuumers and new acs and those kind of things right. that was all sort of like together in, in a way i remember my neighbor she got uh, she got a new ac and vacuumer and uh, humidifier and those kind of things right anything right. with a filter exactly <laughs> but however not everybody got a new one or I'm changed sure, it you i'm know? sure a lot of people didn't even know that existed exactly yeah I'm, like a lot sure. of people don't yeah. didn't know you didn't know that the screening program existed exactly until you read about it in yep. a magazine yeah mm -hmm. totally and i think Correct. that's how it is still 15 years later i think it is it has similar qualities like mm. that still occurs where people are just now realizing they can like apply for things. Or... Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I, when I see my German doctors and I tell them about 9-11 and that I have this uh, CML from 9-11, nobody believes me anyway. They really don't. First of all, they really, either they, be, they believe I really tell them like a stupid story or if they've seen then my images, they're like, yeah, but nevertheless, the, nothing is really proved and, and whatnot, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't know, like... Uh, uh, a while ago, a while ago, I switched to a different medicine. <clears throat> that that one worked for me really well. I felt much better with it than in my initial medicine that I took. However, like a year or something in, I started to get like swollen lymph nodes, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh crap!" You know, no, not another cancer. You know, because I was like, "That's like." You don't want cancer on top of cancer. Exactly. And then you know, being I mean, if people get something, I mean, you know, from hearing from being in the hospital and stuff like that there are many firefighters with like lymph node cancer or whatnot yeah, like you know tumors in the neck exactly you know yeah so then i you know went to uh my oncologist and they're like oh yeah it's just a cold and da 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 then i went back to my house doctor the same thing i went to uh, h and o doctor she was the same thing oh it's just a cold don't worry about it and i was getting more and more and at one point i had like walnuts walnut size like swollen lymph nodes like really huge and I was like, I can't believe it. I go to four doctors and everybody's like, oh, for, you it's know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, and then, uh, yeah, then uh, I had to go back to my regular checkup. And then my doctor was like, holy cow, uh, this is not, that's not good, you know. So maybe you should go and have it checked um, here in the hospital and uh, they should uh, do like an ultrasound. I was like, what the heck, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. one thing about public healthcare in, healthcare in Germany having experienced healthcare here in America. So my experience is in America, it's much more, <clears throat> the level, I think it's more professional here in a way. Like the way I can talk to my doctor, I'm much more, they take me much more serious. 
I can also get in touch with my doctor much easier here. Mm -hmm. That's at least my experience. It yeah. might be different for other people, but that's what I experience. I feel like that's even getting better. You can yeah. email your doctors now. And... In Germany, forget it. Forget <laughs> about it. Seriously. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can be, I can be lucky that I, you know, with my expensive medication and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that I'm getting it and stuff like that. And you, of course, get care, but it's just on a different level. So when I... Uh, with my lymph nodes so then yeah then she says okay you can go and have a uh, you know ultrasound i'm like with this kind of thing i really want more than an ultrasound at least from my perspective mm -hmm. so and that was like a biopsy yeah because that the hospital that i'm going to is like the biggest one in berlin mm -hmm. so if i go to see my doctor here at mount sanai and he doesn't send me to get an ultrasound he has a machine there and he does it himself not in germany so she gives you a referral Then you have to go to the section of the hospital where they make ultrasounds. Of course, you can't do it right away. You have to make an appointment. So I'm living in the other side of the city. So I have to go home, go back three days later. So I like, screw this. So I go to back to my house doctor and he was completely, what the fuck is going on? He gave me right away a referral to, him, uh, uh, to get an uh, MRI. And so, and there was an MRI, um, um, so, um, um, a company that does MRIs in my neighborhood and I went there and I was like I've chronic because I called them they're like oh yeah come in two months I was like I have a chronic leukemia oh you can come tomorrow <laughs> that's You're the like, only advantage you so get <laughs> you know so I went there you get to skip the line yeah so I went there the next day and then they're like you know and then they were like uh, I was like okay where's my result they were like oh your result uh, in a week but two then <laughs> no in a week and then there was like Easter holidays in between <laughs> So then I had to wait like two and a half weeks to get my results. And then they were like, of course, like eight swollen lymph nodes, like really big, like two by three centimeters and da, 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 da. I go back to my doctor, by my, to my oncologist. He was like, okay, now you really have to do a biopsy. So I went to the hospital, got an appointment. <clears throat> and they were like, okay, uh, usually we cut those things out, but because it's on your neck, Maybe we just take uh, a, a small sample. So they did that. And then they were like, after a week, I called in to get a result. They were like, oh, it wasn't enough. And then we have to do further testing. So that took basically to get a result of that took another three weeks. So basically from having swollen lymph nodes until that, like five months passed by. Can That's, you believe that? No. Yeah. Because yeah. that would never happen here. I know. So I, and, and then two days after the biopsy, I'm in my studio, I drink a coffee and suddenly my cheeks are numb and I'm getting red freckles everywhere and my Sumi completely freaks out and then there's a hospital by foot 10 minutes from my studio and Sumi was like, no, 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 we go to your doctor at Charité, we go there. So we drove all the way there. I'm really like feeling like crap. Then we go to her room, she's not there. We walk around the hallway, we meet her. I was like, doctor, so-and-so, alert red look at me she's like i don't have time for you that really killed it for me i was like then i and then i was like so what do I, what do you suggest i do oh go the, to to the emergency section i'm like yeah well i've never been to the one here in this hospital where is it then oh make a left make a right blah blah so i went there and then basically they, they gave me like some anti whatever stuff so your um 
Like to, antibiotic? To, no, not antibiotic, but but if you have sort of like a rash or like a, a reaction to mm. s like anti-allergent stuff. It's like an inflammatory. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So they didn't observe me for three hours and then they, they let me go. And nobody could figure out what it was. But I think it was from the, when they bi gave me the biopsy, they of course put some uh, anesthesia into my neck. Uh, yeah. So I figure maybe there was something... Weird going on. Weird going on. Maybe then drinking milk with a coffee and that remaining stuff. Well, so what did the biopsy end up? Well, the biopsy was like inconclusive. <laughs> so <laughs> and, they did and, the lymph yeah. nodes then and then eventually it, just did die down? Did they go away? Yeah. Then So then they... Uh, so then... Uh, I went back to my house doctor and that's the only guy who really listens to me, I think. You know, all the other doctors forget about it. So I was like, uh, Dr. So-and-so, uh, this is the status. He's like, and uh, you know, they have to make a PET scan. They didn't send you to do a PET scan. And PET scan is really expensive. I don't know what it costs. But so in the hospital where I go to see my oncologist, you can only get a, a PET scan if they put you into a bed and you're a stationary patient, otherwise mm -hmm. you don't get a PET scan. So my so house you have to like check into the hospital. Yeah, and my house doctor was like, "Here's a referral to a PET scan," and I'm like, "Oh, I can do that at the at the place where I got my MRI." And and he was like, "Yeah, but you have to maybe I'm not sure if your insurance will pay it or I have to call it in, whatever." And that place has a deal with my insurance, so even if the regular house doctor writes you a referral, you can go there and no problem. So th they did that, and they were like. After that PET scan, the doctor, they actually talked to me and they were like, okay, it's still the eight to nine huge lymph nodes, a bunch of smaller ones and another 50 really small ones. And then I was like, okay, uh, so nothing new. They're like, no, oh, no, nothing new. So I went home. I went on vacation. <laughs> I came back and, and then... And, uh, then I called my, what did I do? I went to my home house doctor for, I don't know why, why I went there, but I went there. And I opened the door. He was like, oh, thanks, God, you're coming. We couldn't get a hold of you. The radiologist sent the report. Your cancer is back. It's even worse. So he's telling me everything is okay, basically. You know, that was at least my understanding. But then he sends a... A sort of like report to my doctor like uh, I have like lymph node cancer and whatnot and blah 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 in the meantime of course I stopped my medication because I was like you know what I always thought it was for my medication from the new one I, I took mm -hmm. I stopped that medication and within two weeks everything was gone no more lymph nodes so did you go back to the old medication no the doctor that let me stood there in the hallway and didn't do anything I went to see her two times more, and then she wanted to get me back on the old medication. And I said, no way, I'm not going to do it. The medication worked really well. However, it really made me tired, like permanently. So basically, I was running around like a zombie often. You really have like this bus in your head. You can't mm -hmm. focus on anything. You, you, uh, I wouldn't say you're aggressive, but you're really short-tempered, like mm -hmm. really short-tempered. Every Anything can set you off like that with that medication. You have loss of short-term memory. You're super pale, like a piece of paper. Um, your skin is like a sanding paper. It's like lots of side effects, uh, but no cancer. Right. 
you know. <laughs> so and then uh, and I knew about this new newer medication. So my first one is generation one. Then there's two and three, and then the other one that gave me the lymph nodes was second generation. And the one I'm taking now is third generation. However, that also comes with a toll. So when you start taking the medication, you get basically diarrhea for one month straight, mm. like really bad. So basically in the beginning, I took it always in the evening and night. And then you wake up at 3 a.m. and then you're on the toilet for two hours. Right. And, uh, but it's uh, better than being on the toilet at 12. Exactly, yeah. 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 So that's what I did. And then eventually I was, I figured, okay, you know, maybe I just break that pill in two pieces and I take half and half so I don't get the full doses at once yeah. that worked really well for me so that's what I still do basically I, oh, I do one half in the morning one in the evening and it's fine and so far it, it, it's good for me but uh, I don't know you just uh, have to uh, believe a little bit in yourself and don't believe uh, I don't know I'm uh, this whole thing with the, with the doctors in Berlin and, and I have been actually uh, going to some leukemia conventions that only specific deal with my leukemia. So yeah. I've heard doctors from all over the place talking really smart, about this. Because the swollen lymph nodes, I heard about it from other doctors that came from America on those conventions. Mm -hmm. They said to me, I asked them and they were like, oh, we, we had patients having that. And I was like, well, my doctors in Berlin never heard of it. And you know things like that. So I don't know. So I don't, I think yeah, you have to have a good doctor. But if you, uh, I think my suggestion is also to sort of like pay attention yourself. Pay attention to yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know. So do you still come back here ever and do the testing with Mount Sinai? No, I didn't. Did Actually, they uh, they still write me letters. They even sent them to Germany. They're yeah. pretty eager about that. And uh, well, yeah, because it's like I mean that's. That's going to be a big study, you know, in 50 know. years. You're bettering mankind. You have to think about That's it that true. way. That's true. Yeah, you're right. It's got a yeah. big tag on it. Mankind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I already did two books on leukemia <laughs> that I photographed. So <laughs> You I'll... photographed two books on leukemia. Yes. I, uh, I, uh, and two years ago, I, well, I did one book first. My first book on CML. Um, so... Can you explain quickly what kind of leukemia that is and how it affects your body? Well, the short version is, so this type of leukemia that I have is basically people like me with CML, they have a chromosome that you usually don't have. It's called the Philadelphia chromosome because it was discovered in Philadelphia and it's made up of two parts from other chromosomes that everybody has. That is like chromosome 9 and 11. Once you have this Philadelphia chromosome, which can be found in your bone marrow, that's how they uh, determine if you have CML or not. Once you have that chromosome, your body starts, or your bone marrow starts to produce like unlimited amount of uh, white blood cells. And that basically, uh, and depending on what stage you have, there's chronic stage, there is uh, uh, accelerated stage and blast phase. Mm -hmm. So in my case you have the, the chronic stage and you have like a very high amount of white blood cells but they're all mature and stuff like that once you go in the other phases they're like underdeveloped and and so on and with the medication that i'm taking the medication <clears throat> is able to uh, uh, inhibit the uh the um, that chromo the Philadelphia chromo chromosome, so you don't have it anymore. So if you take the pill, no more Philadelphia chromosome, no more 
Philadelphia chromosome equals a normal leukemia. Mm -hmm. So people like me take the medication every day and then if you take it for a long time, your remission goes really, really, really low. So to detect any cancer cells in your blood after a while, it's very, it starts to become very difficult. And um, so basically you if are... If you were to stop taking the medication, would it quickly... Well, there are back? basically, if you take the medication and you hit a certain benchmark and you keep it for a while and then you stop taking medication, they found out about a third of the people are not really healed, but the leukemia is not coming back. And another third of the patients, they will stay in, in a certain remission for a while and then it slowly comes back and other people... They are not that lucky, and then it comes back rather quick. Mm -hmm. um, so you are very lucky then. No, I'm still. I You're still, in that. No, I have to take the medication. I'm not the. I, I tr you know, when I stopped when it. When you started, you were in the chronic. I was in the chronic. Yeah. And I'm. I mean, everybody is still in the chronic. If you are uh, with the CML and you are in a remission, you're still a chronic leukemia patient. Mm -hmm. However, um, again, if you take it for if you take the medication for quite a while and you stay within a certain benchmark, mm -hmm. these days they, the doctors will take you off the medication, and if you're lucky, you can uh, keep off the medication because the cancer is not coming back. It stays very very low. It's mm -hmm. not really gone, but it stays very low. But other people are not that lucky and then will come back. In my case, I stopped after three years. But it did came back, did so I have yeah. to take medication. I can't live without it, mm -hmm. basically. Or the only cure that is around right now would be a stem cell replacement, mm -hmm. and that's quite risky. I'm lucky. My I have two older sisters, and one of my sisters is uh, would be a donor. Uh, oh, there's so a fit. She's a match. She's a match, and a really good match. Uh, Anyhow, back to my books. Yeah. So, <laughs> 10 years anniversary of 9/11, I was invited to a talk show in Germany. Okay. A quite big one, actually. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> a few people saw this. And uh, actually one guy from Munich, uh, Jan Geisler is his name, he saw it. And he contacted me like right away on Facebook. And he also has a chronic leukemia, the CML. And he started a, uh, a group uh, where people like me help each other. And he put some information about the disease online. And he also started a sort of like a, um, basically a convention that only revolves around CML where sort of like doctors and, and patients meet and talk about results and what people can do and patient advocates uh, are coming that go to other places and then have other people with CML. So he invited me <clears throat> to a, uh, a convention that took place in Munich and while there, um, sort of like this book idea came up and a year and a half later, uh, we um, had enough funding to do that. And uh, I drove through Germany uh, one summer and I met like uh, 15 CML patients. And we had two writers who interviewed those people and I, always, I um, spent a day with each of those participants and um, photographed them and we made, make, made a, book, a book out of it which came out really nice. So every person <clears throat> talked about their experience, how they got diagnosed and how they managed to, to deal with it. And the only thing we have in common is really the uh, CML. Mm -hmm. Everything else <clears throat> is very much different. The results are different that people are getting with, uh, you know, with the medications they're taking or, uh, you know, how their families help them or don't and, and those kind of things. So, um, 
it was quite uh, an experience for me, a good one actually, I have to say. Yeah. And then a year later, we did this uh, similar book on a European basis, where I flew throughout Europe and uh, to different countries and made uh, CML patients over there. And uh, that was, uh, again, very interesting in this different aspect because different countries in each, uh, in, in, within Europe have different healthcare systems. And, you know, like, uh, again, like in Germany, you don't really have to worry about the cost of your medication or how you get it and, and stuff like that. But if you go to Italy, France, or let's say Macedonia, or those kind of countries, uh, then uh, the outlook... Uh, how the treatment options can be uh, is, ra is rather not so good sometimes. And uh, even though it's only like uh, an hour by plane away from Berlin, mm -hmm. you know, so that uh, was uh, a very, very uh, good experience for me. It sounds like it. Yes. Yeah. It's always nice to meet people you have something in common with. Exactly. Especially something that's so rare. But I can I, I can tell you one thing that people ask me often. Yeah, go ahead. If I would do it again with the knowledge that I have right now, I yeah. would. It's not worthwhile. No. Pictures but of course, against leukemia, time, you know, like. But at the time, I think you no, you couldn't have had any idea. No, nobody of had. what was going to no. happen. What that I mean, day was going to look like. Nobody had that idea. No. I mean, you no, just no. thought, oh, plane hit the World Trade Center. Like, I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. I mean, with my CML being more or less a result of 9-11, I don't know, for me, it was like, I really, you know, I really want to be behind the camera again. I really want to move on with my life and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So in a certain aspect, I mean, that sounds kind of like weird to some people, but sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, not, uh, this leukemia, there are always two, two sides of the metal, or you can see the glass half full or, right. you know, half empty. But in, in certain aspects, for me, I sometimes say like, okay, this is the best thing that happened to me. Be and people are like, what? <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, like once you go through the initial shock and stuff like that, and then of course you have to have, you know, people backing you up and stuff, you know, like, you know, my wife, Sumi, she was really great. I mean, she was behind me the entire time. And, uh, she really sort of like uh, pushed me uh, really to to move on, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, we also had to give up everything here and, and right. go overseas and not don't, didn't know what to expect. And, and she being Japanese, you know, she, uh, yeah, she has been in Germany before, but living there and moving there is a different story. Right, yeah. So uh, if you then have a partner that doesn't... Uh, cannot deal with that situation or who knows what then uh, you know then your life can can become difficult on, mm -hmm. on, a, on a different battlefield basically yeah. on top of that what you have to deal with anyways so and I've met the, yeah, I've met people like that for my CML books so they got cancer and then their partner left because of that because mm -hmm. they couldn't deal with it and stuff like that and you're stuck you know it would be so much harder by yourself with dealing with the cancer and getting your life on tr back on track and those kind of things so uh, you know then uh, that can really uh, pull you even further down than what you what uh, you can handle really mm -hmm. you know yeah um Bert all right Jen thanks for sitting with me today as always a huge thank you goes out to Daniel Broadhurst and Sean Mann couldn't do this without you guys thanks so much